Happy Monday. Hope you all had a nice uh, long weekend. Bob McCowan, John Shannon. Hello, Robert. With you. Um, we are, uh, I guess, on the verge now of the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. What do we got? Two weeks left in yeah. the regular season? Yeah, yeah. May the 1st is the last regular season game, but it re- actually ends on Friday, the, the 29th of April. Yeah. So. Uh, we're going to talk about it. What we expect, even though we don't know exactly, well, we certainly don't know who's playing who, and we don't know exactly who is going to get in and who won't get in in the West yet. But we're going to dive deep into where we think things sit on the verge of the playoffs. Kevin DuPont, Brian Lawton will join us when we continue after these messages. McCown and Shannon back with you. A little hockey talk today. Brian Lawton is with us. Kevin Paul DuPont. Uh, here's a generic thing that um, I'm intrigued by your perspective on am i crazy or is goal scoring up this year well it's definitely uh, it's definitely up on i don't think it's up on average but what is up considerably is games where one of the teams is scoring five goals or more yeah Uh, that's the most in the last 30 years that we've seen this so what does that tell us probably doesn't tell us a lot but it does say that there's some more air in these you know we we went for a while there it was the three two nhl and it seemed like it was in perpetuity. So, it, you know what? I like a good blowout, yeah. especially, you know, from the perspective of the home team. Fans love it. Why not? Hey, Brian, well, my, my concern, Brian, is, is that the blowouts, and, and Kevin's exactly right, but it's a disparity of the good teams versus the bad teams. That's what I'm concerned about. Definitely some of that. I would be very, very cautious if I were a GM and re-signing players off of statistics from this year, it seems like everybody is up. Troy Terry, uh, Timo Meyer, Chris Kreider, you know, guys that had some history, other guys that are younger, but maybe you didn't think they were that good. And you can just keep going around and around. Kevin, Jake DeBrusque, I mean, 22 yeah. goals. That's incredible, right? So for me, we've had some disparity because of the pandemic. We've had some different uh, rosters on different nights. And we've certainly had a dearth of goaltenders this year. I've never seen anything like it. You can always find a goaltender when you're an NHL team. And this year, as it's been well-documented with a number of teams, they've been really hurting to come up with a goaltender. And as we approach the playoffs, and I think maybe a Carolina-Pittsburgh first round, I wonder who the starters will be for those teams even. Mm. So there's a lot of different factors, but Boy, it's a it's a crazy one if you're going to be signing players off of these incredible statistics that so many individual players have. I don't know if it's the new normal or just a one-off. I don't know. I've been yearning for the Auntie Ranta Casey DeSmith matchup in the first round of the playoffs. Well, you just may get it. You just <laughs> may get it. If, if Christian Jari does have a broken foot and if Freddie Anderson is going to be out longer, then we may see that. We'll have to call uh Matt, was it, what was Zach Koff's first name? Was Pittsburgh. Remember, he had to come in and play oh, the first game. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Matt Zatkoff. That's right. Matt Zatkoff. We'll have that's to call right. him and ask him what that's like. Or, or, or David Ayers. David, well, yes. But I mean to start a playoff. I'm trying to think of other guys. Grubauer started that one year for Washington. Yeah. Uh, there's been other guys that maybe weren't the guy, but then they had to start recently. So maybe Does Toronto have it sorted year. out, John? I think they do. I, I really do. I think that uh, I think it's Jack Campbell's job. I think it will be Jack Campbell's job. Um, you know, the team is playing very well. 
Um, they are thorough. Their defense is, uh, I, I'll be honest, the defense is faster than I thought it was, it was capable of being. And their two veteran guys in Muzzin and Giordano have done a very good job for them. So it's taken a lot of pressure off the goaltending, and that means it takes a lot of pressure off Jack Campbell. Well, the defense has taken pressure off him from an offensive standpoint more than from a defensive standpoint. The goal well, still the pucks at the good. other end of the ice, Bob. It's okay. Well, yeah, I mean, except on the four occasions um, where it gets into the leaf zone, the puck goes in. <laughs> well, now, so, come on, now you're a little harsh on Jack Campbell. Well, I'm, I'm be, no, I'm being honest about Jack Campbell. I mean, when's the last time he stood on his head and won a game? And okay, he hasn't had to, but. Um, one of the things that I noticed, guys, is you've got three, I think it's three 50-goal scorers already, and Ovi's at 47, Yeah. so he probably will get to 50, and then you got a bunch of guys around 42, 43. I don't think you're going to have probably more than four, maybe five guys hit that number, but that's a big number. That's a lot for, for one season, isn't it? That's my point, Bob. I think it's a one-off. I don't, I don't think it's the new normal. I just... You know, you had some rosters that were early on from the pandemic where you were missing guys, and it's just it's felt a lot easier to score this year. I did have one coach telling me, you know, I'm changing the way I coach. I'm trying to absorb more risk rather than how we used to coach. Yeah, maybe. I think everybody wants to play an exciting brand of hockey, but uh, I still think it's an anomaly. I'm not sure of that. I mean, the guys who are getting the 50 are legit. It's not that you know, two being American, of course, Kreider and, and uh, your guy in Toronto. So Matthews. You know, yeah, exactly. Matthews. So, you know, whether it's Dreisaitl, whether it's Ovechkin, I think, that, I think those guys are all legitimate. I mean, it's, I, I suppose in Kreider's case, it's weighted toward power play goals. Uh, Same thing with Dreisaitl. I mean, Dry Saddles had more power play goals in a season than Wayne Gretzky had in a season. So, yeah. But on the same hand, he does it consistently, doesn't he? I mean, it's yeah. not like it's not like he's going to disappear either. So, again, we've we've waited for the at least I have. I've waited it for, for the game to have more of this offense, have more air in it. Whether it's because these goaltenders are soft or not, maybe maybe there's a degree of that. Um, I, I I've enjoyed it. I, I just like I like the fact that not every game now. I'm the writer, so I, I, I enjoy not having to tear up the story eight times in the last six minutes. Uh, <laughs> so there's some of that in me, but it's, 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 it's fun. Well, what, what becomes intriguing to me a little bit is we know traditionally what has happened um, when the playoffs arrive and the game and the philosophy and everything changes and coaches coach differently and, and, and the game is played differently. Will these guys who have allegedly open things up during the regular season revert to form when the playoffs come. And are we going to be once again, batting down the hatches, play tight, play tough, try and win two, one or three, two, or are they going to let the, let the guys who can go, go. What do you think? I've Brian? been, I've been publicly as we all are in our jobs, saying that I'm concerned for a team like Florida that scored so beautifully this year and played so incredibly, are they going to be able to win those lower scoring games? Are they, you know, not only do they score easily, but at times they give up goals easily. Are they going to be able to flip the switch and win those two, one, three, two, three, one games with an empty netter in the playoffs? I'm concerned for them. I'm concerned for the teams that maybe 
aren't as stout or used to playing that type of D because I do, I hope that it doesn't revert back to that. I hope that penalties are called at the same rapidity as they have been in a regular season, but that's not consistent with the history of what we've seen in this league. Well, of course, very much what we said in the, before the Islander dynasty or, or going into the Islander dynasty, could they, could they keep it up like that? And, and they did a beautiful, beautiful job of ratcheting down and playing honest playoff defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a little easier, of course, when you have, the offensive guns and reserve that they did, but they, they did an excellent job of it. And, and I know that's long ago, but I too, I do wonder about that with Florida very much. And of course you never find out till they actually, you know, drop the puck and see what they're going to get. I think right now they're going to Washington. And as you were asking the question, Bob, I was thinking of the caps as the example of that, you know, that was their bugaboo. Finally, they got over it, but they, they didn't seem to have plan B. They, they had plan A, which was Ovechkin and fill up the net. And year after year, it failed for them until finally it didn't. You know, the, the interesting thing about Florida for me, guys, is that the, um, the players that were on that team last year, they got full dose of it in their Tampa series. Because if you remember, four, four or five of those games were run and gun games. <laughs> and in the end, they lost the series in six. It, it, it was one of those things where they they couldn't batten down the hatches uh as well as Tampa could uh and and so that I mean and remember they they actually, you know Florida had a real issue with their goaltending they couldn't decide whether it was Bobrovsky or Drieger or or Spencer Knight uh in that series so from from that perspective um they've been warned they it, it, the guys the star players on that team Barkov Huberdo Ekblad they know what they're up against, and, and and they're if they want to get past that first round, because Washington can play that way now. Uh, if they want to get past that first round, they're going to have to change things up. Well, refresh my memory. Uh, you know the the classic example of the team that didn't really care how many they gave up, only if they scored one more, was the Edmonton Oilers, who obviously had great success. Did they play differently in the playoffs? I don't rem- I don't have any recollection of it. Well, they, yeah, they did. I mean, there were years when they won, like the first game of the finals, like one nothing. Yeah, that's right. Go back and look up what year, but I remember that 1984. Yeah, exactly. Uh, their, their first cup here, here, and here, Bob. Just as a guy who had a front row seat to all of that, what they tried to do in their first uh, Stanley Cup final against the Islanders in '83 is they tried to play the same way in the in the final that they did all season long, which means they tried to carry the puck across the blue line. Carry the puck across the blue line. Gretzky tried to carry it. Messier tried to carry it. Everybody tried to carry it. Paul Coffey tried to carry it. And the Islanders just stood there and just poked it away and poked it away and poked it away. And Al Arbor just sat and laughed at them. Uh, and, 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 and in the end, it, it, they had to take losing to learn how to win. And that's what teams you know, invariably do. We've all seen it. We've seen it with every team that's probably won the Stanley Cup in the last 30 years. But the Oilers then realize, hey, listen, we, in order to get through the good, solid, hard-hitting teams like the Islanders were, we're going to have to play their style of hockey, not our style of hockey. Well, then it raises, sorry, it raises the question then um, if, I don't know who you guys all consider the favorite, but everybody has loved Colorado for the last few years, and they certainly have performed well enough to justify 
a prediction of they're the next Stanley Cup champion. Are they are they in a position to adjust their game accordingly? Or are they going to have trouble as they have in the past when the playoffs come around? Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, I, I say they fit the what John just outlined of the of that early Oilers thing in terms of can they you know can they get the forwards to buy in to more of a two hundred foot game, come back, mm-hmm. be more conservative on offense. Uh, you know they've got that distinguishing factor with Makar on offense, uh, on defense, but being such an offensive presence, we'll see if he changes his not his outlook, but if they if they start to use him differently. I, you know, I'll, I'll go into this probably picking, you know, Colorado is the favorite to come out of the West. And it's one of those where I'm picking them because I feel I have to, I, I'm not necessarily committed to that. Uh, it, it's, it's, yeah, I've been disappointed too many times. The San Jose effect that we've talked about before. Oh yeah. I, I still go into this and I know this is, this is betting chalk to a degree, but I know he hasn't been as good as in the past, but to me, the best goalie in the game is still Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. And the, best, the best defenseman in the game is still Hedman. Uh, so you, you look at you look at a team that's got the best goalie and the best defenseman. It's going to be very hard. Again, it's chalk. It could be three in a row for them, but boy, they're good. Well, and they know how to win, and we always talk about that. You know, you got to learn how to win. You have to lose before you learn how to win, and they they did that. Yeah, you know, they got knocked off by what Columbus? Exactly. Run run out of the building by Columbus that year. Yeah. And uh, and managed to figure it out. Lawton, where are you at? Who do you? I mean, are you are you pro Colorado? Are they uh, good enough? Well, first off, in terms of Tampa, I mean, obviously they're the champs until they're not the champs anymore. But they do not have the elements they had the last couple of years. Even though they tried to recreate it with a couple of trades at the deadline, it's not the same as Goodrow and Blake Coleman, in my opinion, the strength that they had in that third line and Yanni Gord, mm-hmm. that is a little bit of a weakness for them. They can lock it down, but they needed every ounce of everything they had to win the previous two years. So I love their team. Uh, Victor Hedman is one of the top three best defensemen in the league. For me, it's, it's hard to say this year with the way Yossi and McCarr have performed, but obviously you're picking lint off a thousand dollar suit with those guys. Um, but in the West, I'm concerned for Colorado. I look at teams like Minnesota and St. Louis, and fortunately they'll probably play each other in the first round. So Colorado won't have to play both of them, but I feel like those teams could beat Colorado in the series. I really do. So it's not going to be as much as a, of a cakewalk. I think as we have all said in the media, that they're just going to roll to the finals. Um, so, you know, I like Colorado. Yes, I agree with Kevin. They are the favorites, but it's a much more narrower margin than people would give it credence for. Hey, Brian, Brian, what, what has changed in Minnesota? I mean, this was a team that looked good on paper all the time, but there appears to be a real edge to this team now. Yes, there is. And Billy Guerin, <clears throat> quite frankly, has done an awesome job of injecting some of his personality, uh, but really just changing the dynamic in the room. Uh, Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter were very popular players in Minnesota, but the minute that those guys were bought out, they turned that team over to the younger players and they grabbed a hold of it. 
And in some ways, maybe those guys were matriculating a little bit longer than they should, waiting for their time because Zach and Ryan are very dominating personalities and presence in that room. But these young guys have grabbed it. Uh, they appear to have more energy, have had more fun. Kaprizov has come on the scene. Uh, Billy Gern has has kind of gone, I think, the right way, but different than how people think. He took a strength of his team, and which was their their ruggedness, their toughness, their mobility, and he enhanced it mm-hmm. deadline in a big way. And uh, it's a big bet. I think it pays off for him. I think he's done an incredible job regardless of what happens. Um, but they are a formidable team. Kaprizov is a big part of that. Zuccarello is a big part of that. Uh, there's a lot that's gone into this team. Billy Guerin's led most of it, but Paul Fenton deserves some credit too. He went out and got Zuccarello. Uh, he went out and got Fiala. And uh, so it's it's been kind of brewing for a few years, in my opinion. They have a very good team right now. And even though everybody says they're done because of cap issues after this year, they have a lot of really good young players. Kevin, you know Matt Boldy as well as anybody from your neck of the woods, and they've got a lot of other guys coming. So I'm pretty bullish on the Wild. They've done a really nice job. And the, the goaltender, getting the goaltender has been more of an impact than I thought. Uh, he, he's been better than I thought he'd be. Uh, and and frankly, it, I think he's a big part of these last two and a half weeks. So, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, yeah, can, how, mu- how much How much of what Marc-Andre Fleury adds isn't when he plays goal? A lot. A lot? Yeah, yeah. a lot. You know, I, I, I don't see them game to game, but when I've, you know, the goaltender effect being when the team starts to believe he can do it, sometimes that's all they need is the belief, right? Uh, and I, I would say the games I have watched, that's been it. Now, he, we, we know, too, he's old, he's vulnerable, all of that. Uh, we saw that in Vegas late in his tour there. But I, I think, I, I think he's, been, he's, he's been the difference these last two to three weeks in my mind. Look what's going on in the Central. St. Louis has won, what, nine in a row? Yeah. Minnesota's like 13-1-3, and three, right? In their last 16, 17 games. So, and Colorado's rolling. So that's why I say it's uh, that's a little bit of a division of death right now. I'm very curious to see who comes out of it. Marc-Andre Fleury, full value, off the ice, full value, leader, affable. There's still something to that in pro sports. He's everything you could ever create a guy to be. And he's made a huge difference for me. Six and one. Mm-hmm. But then we were talking about how bad he was with Chicago. Well, guess what? There is something to do with the decor in front of you. And I didn't mention it earlier, but the Minnesota wild have a top five decor. They really do. Yeah. Uh, and that's been without Matt Dumba for a while. Exactly. That's what's really impressive. So they're, they're a good team. They're a good, good team. Kevin mentioned uh, San Jose earlier, and I mean, I know a lot of uh, the hockey pucks went on a long roll of picking them um, to win a Stanley Cup, and they never managed to cover that ground. Colorado is almost at that point where you, you, you expect them to win. I know most people that we've talked to figure they, they are the best team in the NHL, and they might be. But you guys, is, how do we... How do we quantify the impact of not winning when you feel like you should win over an extended period of time? And how does that play into what they're going to face um, when the playoffs start now? That these guys, I'm sure, felt like they were the best team 
um, and kept getting beat over and over again. And now here they are again at the top of the food chain. You got to think that impacts in some way, shape or form. Lawton, did you ever, you ever experience anything like that? Uh, my first year, we had a really good team and they were coming off a few years of having a good team. And we lost to Edmonton four straight in the conference mm -hmm. finals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought it was easy. That was my first year. I was like, oh, we'll eventually win. We're in the, you know, but that had been building and I was more on the tail end of that. Uh, Colorado, to me, the, the one reason why I pause or hesitate with them is the type of teams they have to beat who have gotten bigger, stronger, rougher than them. And the fact that uh, they were a little bit resistant, uh, make no mistake, Marc-Andre Fleury wanted to play for Colorado. I assume everybody knows that. That was yeah. his first choice. I'm. It's a hard thing to do. Darcy Kemper's played well. Really well, Brian. Really well. Really well. But Minnesota, Cam Talbot was playing well, even though he had some bumps at that time. But I, I was surprised they didn't go for Flurry. I felt like that would have been a game changer for them. And even if they even if they had kept Kemper, they could have flipped Kemper and probably got a first rounder. They gave up a first rounder. You know, both guys are, would have been expiring. I just I, I was surprised by that. I was surprised Colorado didn't maybe add one more D as well. Maybe a guy could shut down the cycle. Well, I mean, but the, they did get Josh Manson. Manson's, yes. a, Man, Manson's a difference maker. He's more physical than, than they've had back there. And, um, you know, the, the issue with me is, is that their, their older defensemen, Johnson and Johnson, they're the ones that are, they're going to be the ones that are going to become the victims if a team has an opportunity to beat the, the avalanche, don't you think? I do. I do. It's, Ken, what do you think of the psychological impact of Colorado having been through this expectation of winning and failing? Is, is it real? Well, I, I, I think it becomes real. It's kind of, if you will, self-fulfilling prophecy to a degree. You can't count McCarr in that group, in my mind, obviously, because he's so young. Uh, but, I, but I also think, I guess within that, going back to John's analysis there about Johnson and Johnson, you know, that's kind of their vulnerability in my mind. I'm not convinced of the goalie. I know his numbers are great right now, but I suppose I'm not convinced of it because I haven't seen it come right. playoff time. So, you know, the place, the place you kind of end up seeing these teams getting winning or winning or losing is based on secondary scoring. Uh, the will of the will of their number one defenseman and the quality, the quality of their number one goaltender. I'm not. I don't know about the will of their number one defenseman because it's Makar. He's such a. Uh, a I'm not saying anomaly, but he's such a unique talent. You know, I, I think of the number one as more Yossi, as as the guy who's proven and strong and smart and all of it. And that may be exactly what we get to see of Makar now in, in a critical playoff series. But it's what, what happens here is we tend to look at these franchises, those who failed, San Jose being it, you know, what's, what's the age group and what are those, where do they rate on those three elements? San Jose, San Jose kind of failed at all of them at different times, be mm -hmm. the goaltender, you know, be it Joe's leadership up front, whatever it was. So it's, 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 dif it's difficult in my mind to kind of come up with, you know, what, what is the key flaw or what is the key element that didn't happen for them here in Boston? 
we've we've watched them ever since 11. There's been always this thing about, you know, can they do it in their window of opportunity with this core? Well, the truth of the matter is that core is sort of dissolved now. Cretchen two guys home. in the core. That's right. Critchie went home. Bergeron is 36, 37. He's getting a lot of maintenance days here down, down at the end. Uh, you know, if, if they're going to su- succeed here in Boston, it, it ain't going to be around that core because that's really not there anymore. Well, I want to get to the East and address some of the teams in the East, but you know, we mentioned Colorado, St. Louis, Minnesota um, as, com- as competitive teams in the West. Where's Calgary, who have played pretty consistently well all year long? Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether they don't get enough love, um, but are they good enough? Brian. Well, they certainly don't get enough love. I can, that's all I'll say. So, great, great. They've had a great year. Daryl Sutter's been absolutely amazing. I always pause with them because I'm waiting to see their superstars really elevate in the playoffs. Markstrom's been terrific, to be fair to him. He was not good last year, but he solidified this year. Uh, Daryl got a, you know, players that fit his eye more, bringing a little bit more toughness up front um, and on the back end kind of jumping back to 12, 14 when they won cups. But I, I, I still pause on them until I see their, the guns of Navarone, as I call them up front. I want to see those guys explode in the playoffs. I haven't seen that in the past. And if that dries up, then I feel like they're a completely different team. Now, to be fair, Sean Monaghan was a part of that. He hasn't really been a part of this year's group in a meaningful way. He's not going to be going forward here this year either, obviously, but still, uh, Johnny Goodrow is the one guy I'm, I'm really looking at. Matthew Kachuk, for that matter, as well. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to have a really big playoff. If those guys do, then yes, they are right there with the Minnesota and the St. Louis behind Colorado. I, I often don't go into playoffs thinking about particularly the coach's effect on a team, but it's hard not to do that with Calgary. It is. He, that he gets the team to play the way he wants them. To, I know that's so basic, but there's always when it happens around Sutter, it, 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 the buy-in is apparent that that to me is what's happened up there this year. And we saw it in LA as well, of course. So I think he'll be a big factor in that. I don't think they'll be, uh, they'll be anything less than what they've been. That that's my impression of them going in. We'll take a look at the East um, in a little more depth when we uh, come back after these messages. It's McCowan, it's Shannon, it's uh, Kevin DuPont, Brian Lawton as we uh, take a look ahead to the Stanley Cup playoffs. As hey, Bob, Bob before, we, be, couple of weeks. Be, before oh. we talk about the East, we, we should mention the wildest of wild cards in the West because um, they have to be mentioned, and they may not even make the playoffs, and that's Vegas. And, and you know, it, it, there's a good chance that, that, that either Calgary or Colorado might play Vegas. And if Robin Leonard is healthy or able to play uh, with the lineup that that uh, Brad McCrimmon, or, or sorry Kelly McCrimmon and and uh, Pete DeBoer can put on the ice, Vegas can beat either Colorado or Calgary. They can that, and they are the to me as I, to repeat myself, they are the wildest of wild cards in the Western Conference. But it just doesn't look like they're going to make it, John. I'll tell you what, I, I, I think they are. I think they're going to make it. You do, huh? I, I think they're going to make it at Nashville's expense. Hmm. Oh, okay. I would have thought at L.A.'s, but who LA's knows? LA's schedule is so easy, Brian. Uh, 
I know, so but I easy. feel like they're, I feel like they're wilting just a little bit. They've had a yeah. great year, <clears throat> incredible job. I know from a, from a Boston perspective, I'd love to see it because of Eichel. I just like to see him get his chance. I don't know if he'll perform. I don't know if he'll, but for, you know, from that tiny little aspect mm-hmm. of it, uh, it's, it's been a long time for him. And, you know, some of it's been, in, most of it's been the injury. I get that, you know, the, the failed relationship in Buffalo and the ownership, everything. But I, I would love to get a chance to see it just from that perspective. Well, there's no doubt they have the experience, um, and there's I, I think I I don't disagree. I think they're they're dangerous. Yeah, that's if all my point is. If they're that's healthy, all, that's all my point is. If they're healthy. I don't want to play them. And I'd be, I'd and they are almost. If I were the Edmonton Oilers and ended up having to play Vegas in the first round, well, you'd I, rather I, play you'd rather play Vegas or L.A. L.A. I said I'd be very unhappy if I were oh, the yeah. Edmonton Oilers, and yeah. that. What ended up happening after? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the East is um, intriguing. We've touched a little bit on it, um, but mostly from the perspective of Tampa Bay as the defending champions, two-time defending champions. You know, you got to give them some credit and some love. And they have, there's enough there to suggest that they'll be in the mix. But this Florida team has won 10 in a row now. Uh, they've been good all year. They've been at the top of the standings, I think, virtually every day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in their in the Atlantic, what is it about them besides lack of playoff experience that would cause us to question them? Is it nothing more than the goaltending? Is it the fact that the way they play, um, kind of, I don't know, it's, they think offense more than they think defense, and can you turn it around? What what, what is Florida? Are they as good as they appear to be? Lawton, I'll give it to you first. Okay. Uh, what scares me about Florida is exactly one of the questions you were asking is the way they play. They remind me of Washington, as Kevin quite perfectly pointed out earlier. Um, and I mean Washington of like 8, 9, 10, 11 years ago when they just couldn't get over the hump. Even when I was in Tampa, I can remember having games with Washington. They had this incredible team. We were obviously selecting guys like Stamkos and Hedman at that time, so we weren't so good. And uh, they would beat us, but it would be so miraculous on any given night. We'd be winning like five to one with 12 minutes left, and they'd beat us six to five in regulation. And I would walk out of there thinking, that is not going to play in the playoffs. It may play against us on a Tuesday night in the regular season, but that type of discipline, you're not going to crawl out from under. And because of those factors, when I look at Florida and I see that, I think that there's probably still one more step for them before they develop into that kind of next team that's going to maybe win a Stanley Cup. Carolina's kind of going through that now, but uh, Florida, to me, they they may need just one more progression before they're ready to take a huge step forward and have a giant playoff. Brian, would you feel differently if Quenville was still there? I would feel better, to be honest with you, Kevin. I really would. And Joel has been there, and he would recognize that. Um, Not that Andrew Burnett hasn't done a terrific job. He has. Uh, Not that the management hasn't done an incredible job, because Billy Zito. Billy's done a hell of a job. He's done an incredible job, and they've got a great staff, and 
you know, the changes they made so quickly and seamlessly are, are amazing. Um, but it's tough to win in the end. And, and they went out and made some, every single thing I felt like they did has been a home run, whether it was Raph Lundell or, you know, even sign Mason Marchment, trade for Sam Reinhardt, sign Anthony Duclair. It's like, I haven't seen anybody have the run that they've had in terms of making fantastic decision after fantastic decision. So um, I don't by any means mean to be uh, dogging them. I just think that the style, as you said, Bob, the way they play is not conducive to winning in the playoffs. So if they're one piece away, what's that piece, Kevin? Is it a goaltender? Is it a defenseman? Well, I think they've got the goaltender. I mean, you know, I I I like Bobrovsky more than a lot of people. Maybe I guess you know, he, you know I know there's some there's if lack of a better word here temperament uh, maybe sometimes hasn't been right or gets gets sort of off. But I I think I do I think they've got it all. And and back to the Zito thing, he's he's been like watching the guy play the Monopoly board and goes around and and passes on all the junk property and buys, he buys the right property on mm-hmm. every, on all four sides of the, uh, of the team. So, uh, you know, in the end, it's just left to now, John, you mentioned that series last year. I thought that was, I thought that was one hell of a series. It was. Yeah. It was, it was fun. It was fast. And so I say to myself, are they going to change that much from what we saw that they, they went out and lost with? I don't know. I, I don't know what they'll come with. Right. Um, I, but to I, me, that was purely goaltending breakdown for them. Yes. The other guy, Vasilevsky, was consistent, and they stuck with Vasilevsky last year. Though, I mean, they're you know, Bobrovsky let them down. I mean, Spencer Knight should have never seen the net. Right. He should have never seen the net, uh, and yet they had to. Uh, and so that that gave you an indication at that point, and when Joel was coaching, that there there was an air of desperation to find something that worked. They have, and and we what we haven't mentioned for Florida is the addition of Claude Giroux. Uh, what Giroux did, has done for the deadline, and and quite frankly, I was I'm always one of those guys that's skeptical of adding a superstar at the deadline because chemistry becomes an issue. But in watching them play, chemistry has been far from an issue with Giroux and and Barkov and Huberdo. It has been the, the, it, he's fit hand and glove there. Yeah, and it must it must be in some sense. I've never been an elite athlete, so I wouldn't know this. But I, from, from the outside, to have been what he had to be day to day, year after year in, in Philly, yeah. and then come in here and have a, I'm not going to say defined role, but, but have, a, have less of a role and mm-hmm. not have to be that guy every night to see, see the product win. Agreed. There must be a relief in that for him. So I, I'm, I'm left really to wonder – and you know, I'm, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth on this to a degree because sure they had Joel there last year and it didn't work. And there's a guy who, at, at, you know, given what his experience with so much of what you see in these coaches is th- they don't necessarily have faith in themselves to keep with their conviction. Right. So I would think that if you will, the rookie coach is going to struggle with that. Whereas, you know, last year Quenville would have no issue, but it didn't work. So who the hell knows? Carolina's a team that um, we paid attention to all year because they came out of the gate quick and have been at Lake Florida near the top, at or near the top of their uh, division all year. But they've now been caught by the New York Rangers, a team that John has mentioned them a couple times to keep your eyes on them. But as a general rule, they've been flying under the radar. Um, 
they're pretty good, but are they ready? Are they, you know, do they have that? Do they have enough playoff experience to be able to carry it? How good is this team, Lawton? That's a very good question. Well, Carolina for me is a team that is ready to go on a run. It could be their year, but this is going to be a complicated year with how good the East is. The Rangers, on the other hand, are a team that have, in my opinion, reinvented themselves more than anybody else since the trade deadline. You know, metrically, analytically, <clears throat> Rangers did not look good, even though they were winning up until that point. And now they're still winning, but they look much better doing it. It does matter. The process does matter. So I'm I'm pretty bullish on the Rangers as opposed to where I was just recently. And in Carolina's case, I, they're just in a window where one of these years they're going to rise up and make it to the Stanley Cup final. I don't know if they'll win, but I absolutely believe that's in the cards for them. Uh, the Freddie Anderson injury concerns me. But, um, it, yes, I, I like Carolina. I like the Rangers. The Rangers are a little bit like St. Louis in that they are at least, we could say, peaking at the right time. Mm -hmm. The Andrew Kopp trade, Andrew Kopp has been a, a godsend for them. He's And he, he's done... You know, the, the, the price of working in a small market like Winnipeg, I don't think people outside of Winnipeg appreciated Andrew Kopp. Well, now, you know, Madison Square Garden is appreciating what Andrew Kopp is as a hockey player. He's a brilliant hockey player and ver so versatile, Brian. And he's a perfect playoff guy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And even Frank Vetrano, I mean, I'm shocked. Uh, <laughs> Evan, you probably are shocked. You saw him up close and personal in Boston, and he just jumped right into a top six role, right fit. Yeah. scored pretty consistently, afforded them an opportunity to move some of their younger players down the lineup a little bit, and uh, they've just played much better D. On top of that, I coach this Keandre Miller, I feel like, every year in the Beauty League, and I've been waiting for this guy to explode, and I'm finally now just seeing it. He is such a talent. He really is. He's kind of a quiet kid. It's taken them a while to get that internal confidence playing in the world's biggest market, so mm -hmm. to speak, in terms of for the Rangers and MSG. But uh, he is a special, special talent. So we have now gone uh, through uh, almost 40 minutes of this conversation and not mentioned the Toronto Maple Leafs, who deserve to be mentioned, uh, given that they've uh, won 50 games for the first time, I think, in their history. Correct. Got 106 points, which is the most they've ever had in their history. Correct. They have plenty of talented players. Uh, they can certainly put the biscuit in the basket with the best of them. Can they keep it out? Well, that's always the question. But whether you win 5-4 or one nothing, I suppose a win is a win. Uh, and yet they've, they've had nothing but failure and disappointment in the opening round of the playoffs. Is there anything you guys see in this, this edition of the Maple Leafs that suggests a different result when the playoffs come around. Kevin, you've seen them probably more than, um, uh, well, I don't know whether you've seen them more than Malatin has, but you've seen them a fair bit. They impress you? Would you like, you know, or are you cautious? Well, I'm cautious. And, and sarcastically, I'll say that they don't have Nazim Kadri to blow it up on them. So <laughs> they're ahead of the game right there, right? Uh, but I, I, I saw them after the Giordano trade. I thought... Of course, you know, when you're high on someone before the trade, you're going to be high when you see them. So so he, I thought when I saw them after the trade, they were here in Boston, 
they, they played the Bruins very well. They frankly, ran them out of their own building. Uh, I, I like what he's brought to the back. Uh, stabilizing for smart, still can still can get it. You can jump into the play. So there, there's a lot in him, and I'm glad they got him. Uh, I, I still don't. That's why I asked John earlier if he's if he's convinced about the goaltender. Uh, I, it's it's just such it's such a critical position to be obvious. But uh, I, I just I I thought they had it nailed at the start of the year with him. Then obviously I don't know whether that was fatigue or I know we got hurt there with the rib and all of that. Mm-hmm. But, I, I don't necessarily go in. I, I feel better about their defense than I have in recent years. Their offense is excellent. Uh, you know, I just, I love Marner. Uh, I, I just don't know about the goaltender. Lawton? Uh, Toronto has had an incredible year, tied for the third fewest losses in the league behind only Colorado and Florida, tied with a few other teams with 20 losses. That's incredible, 50 wins hitting all kinds of milestones individually in a team. Love everything about it. Love the season they've had. I've been surprised Jake Muzzin and the combination of Giordano returning have Toronto as the second most improved team, really from the deadline, even though it wasn't exactly then in terms of their overall game. With all that said, I still believe they're going to lose in the first round. Unfortunately for them, they're probably going to play Tampa and that, does not bode well for them, but they're playing as well as I've ever seen them. I think their management has done a tremendous job and I've always been tough on them because I've never liked the allocation of their dollars so heavily into their forward group and not nearly as much in their decor or their goaltending. Um, but they have absolutely proven me wrong. They've have a great seat. They've had a great season. They will ultimately, unfortunately, be judged by how they do in the playoffs. And if they get Tampa, that's a really unfavorable draw for them. Is that a, is that a completely bad matchup for them, Brian, when you think about uh, what Hedman does on the ice and what strength down the middle that the, the Tampa has with Point and Kucherov? I think it is a bad matchup for them. If they can find a way through the lightning, it'll probably have to come from their third line matchup. Yeah. Bottom line matchups in in my opinion literally. I think they can play even in terms of with the forward group or maybe even better. They're in tough uh goaltending. Their D is better, but they won't, you know, if you just go through and rank each individual matchup, who has a better goaltender? Okay, Tampa, who has the better forwards? Okay, it's a tie. Maybe Toronto, who has the better D? Tampa, who has the better specials? If you just keep going and wait it you will not come out with Toronto as the favorite, even if they finish second. It doesn't mean they can't win. The margin between teams in the playoffs is so small, as everyone knows, but it's a tough matchup for them, in my opinion. And I think a factor you have to consider with with uh, with Tampa is, and we saw this with Pittsburgh when Pittsburgh tried to three-peat, is you get to this point, and there's been so much going on here the last two years, with COVID and the seasons, but you know, given given the age of some of their key players, just that psychological workload, the exhaustion of trying to make it three in a row, mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's no way of measuring that or quantifying going in. But but I think I, I know it's real because we've seen it. There's no, I didn't think there was any reason Pittsburgh should should have lost after having won a couple. It was still an excellent team, but an excellent team at at this point going for third straight 
when these margins are so thin, very difficult for team to hold up to it. So before we go, uh, Boston, Pittsburgh, Washington, the three other teams in the East, and they've been the three other teams in the East for well over a month. We knew who we've known for a long time who the playoff teams are going to be in the East. Which of these is the most likely to jump up and bite somebody? Every each one of them is capable. I think we would all agree. But is there one that you like better than the other of those three? Kevin, throw it to you first. I, I would say Pittsburgh. Boston has not done a good job against uh, the better teams. Their, mm-hmm. their record, their record is. Well, you're always going to be somewhere around, I guess, 500 against the best teams. But it's not only have they not beaten them, they haven't played well against better teams. Uh, they've got some issues going on now. Whether you know they're they're just going on a, a short road trip here. They're again not going to have uh, some key players. The big one, of course, Pasternak. Power play hasn't scored for six, seven straight games now. So I'm, I'm not feeling that good about Boston. Pittsburgh, if Malkin is in there, he's not right now suspended, but if Malkin is in there, I still think they've, they've got a lot. They've got to find out if the goaltender's healthy as well. But of, of those three, uh, Washington, I think, really tapers off down on the bottom six. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would say Pittsburgh, those three. Brian Lawton, last word to you. Uh, Pittsburgh, I actually just kind of dove into this because I was curious on the record. I felt like they were beating a lot of uh, – weaker teams consistently, and the numbers were over-freaking-whelming against Pittsburgh. They were like 24-2-3 and three against teams outside the playoffs and 9-13-5 and five against playoff competitors. So because of that, I just can't overlook it. I heard my good friends on XM Radio talking about this very topic this morning. We'll see if there's any truth in that. Obviously, no Tristan Jerry. That causes me pause. I love the Boston Bruins, Kevin. I'm surprised that uh, they weren't your pick. I think the changes they made at the deadline have really enhanced them. Hampus Lindholm is... If he's healthy. If he's healthy, he is a massive difference maker for them. Mm -hmm. I, I would take Boston to rise up. I would still have Pittsburgh second in that list of three, and Washington would be my third choice. Well, we're uh, we're almost fine at the finish line of the regular season. It just seemed like a long, long regular season, especially if you're a basketball fan too. And the basketball season ending two weeks before the NHL season is, un- well, never happened before, really. So um, we're a little whacked out, but uh, we're getting there. And uh, pretty soon we'll be uh, talking about these playoffs being in it. Uh, boys, we thank you as always. We appreciate your time and um, good health. And we'll talk to you down the road, we hope. Thank you, guys. All right, lads. Thank you, guys. Great to see you, you. Bob. Of course, you're correct. 200 days, the longest season in the history of the NHL, I believe. Up from 180 to 186. Mm -hmm. Kevin DuPont, Brian Lawton, we'll come back and wrap it after these messages. Uh, We are back. Our thanks to um, Brian Lawton. Kevin DuPont for uh, joining us on the program. The Toronto Raptors play game two against Philadelphia 76ers tonight and will do so undermanned. Mm. Uh, The great likelihood is uh, that three of their prominent players um, will not participate. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., uh, Thad uh, Young, and Scotty Barnes are listed as doubtful uh, for tonight. Uh, That does not augur well when one considers they got their doors blown in in game one having said that this is a team that also um in their championship year 
uh, lost the first two in Milwaukee, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they did. And uh, managed to come back and win four straight. So <laughs> what happens tonight is not necessarily a be-all and end-all, but it doesn't look good. The one thing I would say about the Raptors, Bob, is, is that, uh, and we, we, we had a good indication in the second half, is, is that once Siakam started to work inside, he was very effective. Uh, and, and the 76ers did not have a very good defense for Siakam playing within eight foot, eight feet of the hoop. So, you know, it, it just took, it took the Raptors that much time to, to get into that rhythm of, of having him down low in tight. And I would think that that might be the difference tonight. At the end of it though, I I mean, it was the defense that let them down. Um, this is a team that had one of the best defensive records in the NBA this year, and you can't give up 130 points. You're not going to beat anybody. No, but, and the other thing, the other thing I would say is this is not the MB of 2019. This is, this is the real deal now. Well, I'll get that player. He's, he's got another dimension. He's got a ton more confidence. Um, uh, you know, I, I'd seen him play four or five times this year, but Holy smokes, was he good. No doubt about it, but they played almost, in my opinion, they played as close as you can get to a perfect game. They shot well, for sure. They shot well from three. They had one turnover. Yeah. One. That's almost unheard of, especially against a Raptor team that does this. And they dominated the boards too, which is something that the Raptors have done to other teams. But Maxi was so good. Oh, well, they were all good. I mean, look, they, they were near perfect. Um, and I don't know what that's going to mean. And it may mean nothing given the injuries that the Raptors have. They right. are going to be life and death to stay even competitive against the Sixers. And then probably we'll have to hope that um, they get healthy yeah. in time for Wednesday uh, in game three. Uh, before we go, we want to um, um, acknowledge something we all learned yesterday. And that was our friend. Um, who's a regular contributor to this program, Buck Martinez, um, has been diagnosed with a cancer. Uh, he is now going to take a leave of absence from doing Blue Jay games because he's going to go into um, uh, therapy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and treatment, yeah. And treatment. And we, uh, we're hopeful. Uh, and I think Buck is confident that he'll be back later in the season. And that um, he's been told that this is highly treatable. I don't know the specifics of the cancer, but uh, we just wanted, I want to take the opportunity. I know you do too, John, to wish him um, the speediest of recovery and we'll be thinking about him. The utmost respect for Buck Martinez. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I said to him yesterday in a text. If any guy can beat cancer, it's a guy that can throw a guy out at third base with a broken leg. And that's Buck Martinez. There you go. Uh, I cannot disagree. I sent him a text as well. I can't recall exact words that I used, but uh, we'll all be thinking about him. And um, we, we wish him a speedy, speedy recovery. Uh, enjoy whatever you're watching tonight, whether it's basketball or hockey or baseball or something else. Uh, we uh, will be back tomorrow. Uh, same time, same station. For John Shannon, Bob McCowan. See ya. See ya.